Today, we're chatting with the founder of Captivated Health about what it means to bend the healthcare trend. You'll understand what I mean by that shortly, so don't you change that dial or drop that phone. We're about to level it up and shatter the mold. Question. In a world where groupthink is the norm, others want what you've earned, and thinking for yourself will get a target painted on your back, how do you flip the script and level up your business, your money, relationships, your health, your status, and your life? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Andrew S. Kaplan, and it's time to shatter the mold. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Shatter the Mold. Andrew S. Kaplan, really excited to be here with you today. We've got a really interesting, intriguing interview that's lined up for you. But before we get there, quick update on my book, the last Law of Attraction book you'll ever need to read. Uh, thank you to everyone that continues to buy the book and continues to leave those awesome five-star rave reviews. And really all the people that continue to email me all your thoughts, all your results, and just all your feedback on how everything's going. I'm so grateful to know that the content is really resonating. And I'm also so grateful for all the new YouTube subscribers for the channel that supports the book. Uh, for those that have not had a chance yet to check out the book, you can very easily do so by going to lastlawofattractionbook.com. That'll auto forward to the Amazon listing where you can get it in Kindle or paperback or audiobook, depending on your preference. Or if you don't want to pull out your wallet and you do want to check out the YouTube channel devoted to the book, YouTube.com slash Andrew Cap, where I am publishing a lot of content over the summer. You definitely want to check that out and see what's going on there. With that said, let's dive straight into our guest interview. With over three decades of experience under his belt as an employee benefits advisor, Mark Gagne serves as a principal of the leading brokerage firm Borislow Insurance and more recently is the founder of Captivated Health in Boston, Massachusetts. Structured as an innovative solution designed to help middle market employers bend the healthcare trend, as he says, by joining a community of like-minded organizations who change the way they finance their health benefits, Captivated Health's mission is to help its clients take control of their future through insightful, actionable data to make their health care both easier and more affordable for employees and their families. Mark's level of expertise and accolades has to be seen to be believed, and he's got a very unique perspective and a sharp sense of the industry that I think you'll really appreciate. So without any further ado, Shatter the Mold warmly welcomes Mr. Mark Ganya. Mark, thank you so much for being here, my friend, and welcome to Shatter the Mold. Thank you, Andrew. I appreciate being a guest on your show. Look forward to the conversation. Yeah, I do as well. And, you know, before we, uh, you know, officially hit the record button, uh, I was, you know, getting a feel for for what you do and your passion and the direction you're taking. And I'm very intrigued. But, you know, just so that the audience is clear, like, how would you describe your current mission and your current endeavor and what you're trying to bring into the world? So my current mission and and endeavor personally is to make healthcare easier and more affordable for people. Um, You might ask why. Uh, Most people look at me and you know, like we all ask the natural question, what do you do for a living? And I always say to people, well, you have a broker box in your head. So go in the broker box. I'm an insurance broker. Now let me tell you why I'm not that. Go to, go to the farthest, tiniest, remotest corner in that box you can find. That's where I live. And that's where my business partner, Jennifer, lives in our team of 70 people who are really looking to make a difference in the lives of the people that we, that we serve. And to the extent we can make life easier, uh, we can make life more affordable. Uh, we can make life um, gentler in times when it's not really gentle, uh, but when you need gentle, um, that's really what drives our organization. And me personally, because I grew up uh, in a family of healthcare entrepreneurs. My dad was a physical therapist. My mom was a nurse. Uh, they are entrepreneurs, as I mentioned, so I never really looked at healthcare the way everyone else looks at it. 
I look at I looked at it through the way my parents looked at it, and as a result of that, uh, always believed as we sat around the dinner table and I would listen to them that there's got to be a better way to do this, and so that's that's my driving force when I wake up every day. Mm. So for clarity, I just, obviously I want to make sure I'm understanding right. It sounds sure. like your company is a facilitator, and you know, the the go between between those who need the health insurance and the the standard big companies in terms of getting you know on a good plan at an affordable rate that's going to work for them and really make sense is that a fair way of, of putting it yes i think that's a fair way of saying it uh, but i would go further than just simply connecting people who need insurance with insurance in fact i often say to people you know insurance is how i'm paid for what i do but it's not really what we do mm-hmm. I always look at me and like what do you mean by that mark i'm like well the whole goal of insurance is to protect you against the unforeseen right but in healthcare, it's been set up as a prepaid system. And we've made people a little bit less sensitive to that and a little bit less knowledgeable about that. And as a result of that, they make decisions like they do in every other area of their life. But those decisions don't really work in this construct. And so you have to explain it to them. So I also think a, a role of, our, of ours is to be, you know, for lack of a better way of describing it, a guide or a Sherpa. You know, as you, as you hike the mountain, you need, an, you need a knowledgeable Sherpa at your side, a knowledgeable advisor at your side to point out things that you might think are true, but that are not true, or to open your eyes to things that you'd never really thought of before because you haven't been on that terrain before. So I, I would just add a little bit more color to that uh, by saying our job is really to provide advice uh, to the C-suite or leadership of organizations who really want to do right by their people and offer you know, high quality benefits that attract and retain their, their human capital, which is the largest asset any organization has. Mm. Now question before we kind of go down that rabbit hole, cause that's very intriguing. Am I correct in assuming that you're, you're basically working with a certain size of company and not individuals or am I incorrect in that assumption? Well, we work with, so our target, uh, so we have two lines of business. Borslow Insurance is our traditional brokerage agency that works with standalone clients that are 50 employees and above. Right. So when an employer offers insurance to their employees, you would work with a firm like Borslow Insurance, like our firm. On the other side of the equation is Captivated Health, which is another line of business. But it's about organizations who not only sponsor those benefits, but then also individually and collectively purchase them together. So it's like a community as opposed to individual organizations going out to the market by themselves. Mm. Now, I... I mean, I'm, I'd like to think of myself as a good listener. I detect passion in your voice and just even in just, just the scotch, right? And in what you're doing, and to me, that usually is in response to an identification of a huge problem that needs solving. And I'm wondering, given what you're doing here and given what you have done and the path that you're on, are there some common huge mistakes that individuals or companies make in their acquisition of healthcare insurance that could be easily avoided if only they knew? Yes, short answer. Okay, so now let me give some clarity to that. The rules in healthcare are different than they are in every other area of life. And I'll start it by saying this, and I'll ask you the question. Name one other product or service you buy where you cannot get access to the price or quality of it before you make a buying decision. (laughs) I cannot think of any off the top of my head. There isn't. One, it's accept healthcare. Now, healthcare is the most important thing you and I have as human beings. The laundry list or the wish list of somebody with a lot of money um, is very deep. A lot of, lot, of, lot of wishes on that list. 
That same individual who's not well, you know how long the wish list is? One thing, I want to be healthy. Mm. How do I say that? Um, health is the greatest wealth. In fact, that's the tagline uh, of Captivated Health, because without your health, you don't have any wealth. And so common mistakes employers make is, number one, they don't understand the language, nor do their employees of healthcare. Uh, according to the Kaiser Family Foundation, the healthcare literacy rate in the country is 14 Wow. Now there's no half a person. So essentially that means nine out of 10 people have no idea how to talk the language of healthcare. If you've ever traveled to a foreign country, and I suspect you have, I have, and you take a book with you about, and you don't know the language, you ever try to have a conversation with somebody reading out of a little book that translates words, it's nearly impossible. Translate that over to healthcare. Well, if we're trying to have a conversation and helping you make better and more informed decisions and you don't know how to speak the language, mm. it doesn't matter what I say to you because it's like me listening to somebody in a foreign country's language I don't understand. I, it may sound nice, but I, but I don't understand the content of it. So first step is understanding there's a literacy gap. Um, the second thing to be, uh, to be um, knowledgeable about is that the rule makers that set up our healthcare system they're not malintended. They're just a product of their design. And what do I mean by that? The healthcare system was set up by four rulemaking entities, the government, which ensures roughly half the people in our country, Medicare and Medicaid, right? Medicare for 65 plus Medicaid for people who are, are in a poverty situation and can't afford to pay for health insurance on their own. You then have big hospital systems and they exist in every, every major metropolitan area across the country. Uh, you have big health insurance companies, and you have the pharma, uh, pharmaceutical industry. Doctors have no power. They're not collectively together. They participate in association, but they're not, they're not banned together like these other organizations I'm talking about. Okay, so with those four rule makers, right? And that's what I call them. I, I mean, no offense by this. I just, they're the ones who design the system. They administer their, the system we call healthcare through an opaque process called coding and billing. Every time you and I touch the healthcare system, a code gets generated, sent from the provider of the care over to the insurer, tells them whatever contract is that your insurer, the card you carry in your wallet is negotiated. And then ultimately you get a bill and the insurance picks up a larger portion of the bill in, in most cases. I don't have a problem with that process. It's, it works in every other area of life. What I do have a problem with is that it's not transparent. Um, as I already asked you in the beginning, and you already gave me the answer everyone else gives, there is no transparency. So what we're passionate about, and this is what I think most employers have been um, counseled or repeatedly trained to believe, is that healthcare costs, health insurance costs, are going to go up every year no matter what. Every year. Well, Mark, how bad's my renewal? Not am I going to get an increase, it's because I know I'm getting one. How big is it going to be? And I know it's usually going to be four to five times higher than inflation. Now, people always look at that and say, well, how can that be? I'm like, because healthcare has its own inflation factor called healthcare trend that the system made up. And do you know what healthcare trend is? It's about 8% in most markets, 8 to 10%. CPI historically is around 2.5%, 2, 25 somewhere around there, maybe 3 So my point in sharing the story with you is, most organizations don't look at their healthcare plan, which happens to be, if you look at benefits, it's the second largest item on their P&L in the expense side, only behind payroll. It grows four to five times faster than any other. So what does it do? 
It eats margin or it eats EBITDA. If you're non-for-profit, it's margin, no margin, no mission. And we do a lot of work with nonprofit schools in particular. Um, and it eats EBITDA if you're a for-profit company. So the mistake I believe many organizations make is they don't look at it as something they can get their arms around, take control of, and change the performance of. And if they play the game according to the rules that have been written by the four rule makers I just shared with you, one, we can't disintermediate, which is the government, right? That'll always be a player. But the other three, there is a way to construct it that the employer takes control, the consumer takes control, and they learn the language, they learn the some of the tricks and nuances, as an example, that there's an inverse correlation between price and quality in healthcare. Now, you look at me like, Mark, how can that be? I have a better car, it costs more. Better house, it costs more. Better clothes, they cost more. Better vacation, it costs more. Andrew, that's not the way it works in healthcare. The way it works in healthcare is the contract negotiated between the place you got the care and the place that's paying for that care. And you don't know about it until after you buy it. And then you have no recourse because you have a bill. So what we believe most employers are missing is that they're not a victim of their health insurance plan if they decide to move in a different direction, which is what we created through Captivated Health. Mm. So this is really about, you know, again, th there's a system that's built for efficiency, but within that efficiency, there's ignorance. And this is about identifying that ignorance and leveraging the the other side of that coin so that you can actually make better decisions for it. And I would hope or imagine based on what you're saying is reverse that trend of paying more to get less. Correct. In fact, our whole goal is to help people get the highest quality care at the lowest possible price point. I don't know about you, but I'll speak for myself and everyone in my world. No one ever asks, Hey Mark, can you find me the cheapest doctor? No one ever says that. Why the heck? I mean, it's your health. Why would you ever say that? I want the best I can find at the lowest possible price giving me value. That doesn't mean it's always the cheapest. It doesn't need to be. It needs to be value, right? That you recover from whatever it is that ails you. Um, and if you can, that you're treated properly and that you return to the functioning of your life, which is ultimately what you want. Because if we think about it, healthcare is something that happens to all of us. Now, I mean, if I'm being honest, Andrew, I, I want to wake up tomorrow and feel the same way I do today. I feel fantastic. But I may wake up one day and not feel so good. I'm sure I will. And then all I'm going to want is to know what I need to do, who I need to go to, and how I need to deal with it, right? But here's what happens with Joe, the average consumer, you and me, the average consumer. We don't feel well, and our doctor, uh, we don't know what to do about it. So we don't have a doctor. We don't have a relationship with a primary care doctor, which sadly, most like half, half of the people in our country don't have an ongoing relationship with a primary care doctor. So what does that mean? They're just waiting for something to happen, and then they'll deal with it. Yeah, you're in reaction mode rather than proactive mode. Right. You're in healthcare mode as opposed to preventive, like taking care of yourself mode. So to the extent we can help you understand that um, having a relationship with a primary care physician is going to help you um, stay on top of the things that, that are challenging to you. And that once you're in the system, using tools and resources that help you get more educated and informed. So you start to ask different questions and you'll be blown away by the answers that you get from people. Like I ask my doctor now, it's a running joke with the two of us, but every year I come into him and I say, doc, how much is what you're going to do to me today going to cost? He laughs. He's like, Mark, you know, I don't know the answer to that question. I'm like, but why? 
Joe just walked out and Joe's going to have the same thing I did. What did he pay? Well, he, it depends who he's insured by. I'm like, what? But he just had the same stuff done to him that I'm going to have done to me. Yeah, but you're carrying a blue card. He's carrying a red card. So, you know, they're different. Uh, well, no, uh, the quality isn't different. And this is the problem that people don't understand. This is how the healthcare system works. And so you end up buying things you think are better that are not. Mm. And as an example, I'll give you a couple examples because it makes the learning real. Uh, if your doctor told you how to get an MRI because your knee was messed up, do you know that your doctor could send you to a hospital-based place to get your MRI and it could cost $4,000 for that picture? Your doctor could also send you, if he or she knew about it, and our services help people find this, um, that there's an outpatient facility not associated with a hospital that only charges $500 for the exact same picture. Now, if you knew that and we helped you make the appointment and then we gave you a reward in your health savings account because our Captivated Health community, um, part of being a member of the community, we have 30 organizations now and 10,000 people in the, uh, in the community. Uh, you have to offer a, you know, a lower premium, higher deductible plan with a health savings account. Why? Because we want to make the linkage between health and wealth. Most people think about retirement and their financial health but they don't spend time thinking about their health and it's how it's going to affect their financial retirement. According to uh, Fidelity, uh, a report recently released, that it's going to cost us on average $270,000 in retirement healthcare expenses. I mean, that's a lot of money. So without an account vehicle like the health savings account, right, where you could actually build equity over time, all you're doing is paying into a system and what do you get for it at the end of the year if you're good about using the system? Another bill. Mm -hmm. You get a renewal increase in your health insurance premium. I hear from a lot of people, God, I never use my plan. I'm getting 10, 15% rate increases every year. What do I do? I'm like, well, first move your employees onto a health savings account structured plan so that you have a vehicle that they can now see what things cost. You provide them tools with uh, the quality of the care so that they know where to go get that care. And then you give them a financial incentive. So when they do the right thing, not only is the company saving money, but they're saving money. That's what we call the win, 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 right? So if we can get more people focused on the fact that the system doesn't help them get the right quality care, because it's not designed that way. You need to have a primary care physician, somebody who's knowledgeable about directing you through the system, but you also need to take control as a person and get yourself more educated about the game that's really played. And I'm using a game in somewhat of a pejorative term, but I'm, I'm doing it for on purpose. Uh, the, the system doesn't allow you and me as a consumer to, to wake up one day, not feel well, and then we go to our friends and we say, hey, Andrew, can you help me? You know, I need help. Well, sure, Mark, I know a doctor. I mean, how do you even know what kind of doctor I need? Or worse, I go to Google. I call it Dr. Google. And I scare the bejesus out of me and my family. I don't know. I'm just trying to figure out what's going on. So then I go to the local hospital because I think that's the right place to go. Well, geez, if I'm not shot, stabbed, bleeding profusely, missing a body part, have severe head trauma or severe chest pain, those are all life-threatening, I'm going to wait in the waiting room for hours. And then when I'm finally seen, I'm going to pay a $2,000 emergency room bill when I could have gone to urgent care and paid 50 bucks for what I needed to have done and been in and out in 10 minutes. I'm giving you real life examples and I get jacked up about it because this goes on every day where people think they're making the right decisions, 
but they're uninformed. And so therefore they're operating in the dark. And to the extent we can bring them to the light, give them education, give them support and resources and reward them when they do the right thing, I think we can change the way it's delivered. Yeah. Now as I'm hearing this again, I'm, I'm playing the interpretation game and, and trying to get a feel for things. Sure. It sounds to me like you basically almost have an, an online accessible database where people can find what they need, knowing what to expect in terms of the level of care and in terms of the price they're going to pay. Yes, that's an accurate statement. What we, what we have done and are continuing to do is building a healthcare ecosystem. Mm-hmm. When we're building the ecosystem, we're building it with tools and resources that are best in class. So we have a, a, a transparency platform called Amino. And Amino was developed by a gentleman who helped uh, build Zillow. And so he applied the same shopping type of experience to healthcare services where the platform actually gives you access to price and quality before you go out and make a buying decision. Yeah, that's one example. Another example would be a company called Best Doctors, where they are uh, they're an organization headquartered here out of Boston. That's the market I'm in. We work all over the country, but New England's where our, where our, where our uh, beachhead is, if you will. Um, best Doctors gives you access to the best of the best in every specialty and subspecialty across the country um, so that when you get the dreaded disease, instead of just, you know, diagnosis, instead of just relying on one opinion, you're actually to have a physician who's an, an expert by his or her peers come in and sit next to you and your doctor and say, okay, how did you arrive at this diagnosis, doctor? And more importantly, what's your treatment plan for this individual, right? So now you've got an advocate sitting by you, getting, giving you a second opinion on the treatment plan. It's not to say that your doctor's wrong. Perhaps your doctor just doesn't know what this best doctor knows is another example. Another example of that would be uh, international importation of medication. Most people don't really understand that many of our chronic medications are produced in uh, tier one English speaking countries like Canada, the UK, Ireland, Australia, South Africa, New Zealand. By the time they come over here, they're 75% more expensive on average. Why? Because we're subsidizing the rest of the free world as it relates to medication. It's a truth. You don't have to ask me. You can look it up or your listeners can look it up. But essentially, there's a little wrinkle in the FDA that allows consumers, if they know about this, to import medication via mail order coordinated with their doctor and the doctor overseas and a pharmacist here and a pharmacist over there. So it's all safely done. And they're not meant for refrigerated medications. So there's only about 100 to 120 of them, but they're really expensive. Um, one drug I can think of is Tecfidera. I won't say the country it's made in, but it's made in one of those countries I mentioned. Um, the annual cost over there in that country where it's manufactured is $17,000 just to live your life. Over here at one of our big drugs, drug name, uh, brand name drug stores, and I'll leave their, their name out of it, uh, they charge $69,000 a year for the exact same drug. Wow. So what if we said to the member, hey, if you get that drug where it's manufactured and we have a contract with a company who has contracts with the manufacturers, it's all legit. Thousands of employers are doing this all across the nation. What if I could tell you that you could actually get the medication and your employer would charge you nothing for it? What? Well, how, Mark? Well, you see, because your employer is in this self-insured, partially self-insured community called Captivated Health, they actually can. Um, they actually have to pay the claim. So if you buy the drug, they're going to get it for you. Um, so no problem. You'll pay your deductible, and then they carry the rest of the cost. Right? Your deductible is two thousand dollars. They pay the sixty-seven thousand dollar balance of the drug for the year. But what if I told you, Andrew, that you could get that drug for nothing, 
You could get it from the place where it's manufactured. It won't have a label on it, a drugstore that you buy it at, but it, but it was made there. Um, you can see the packaging is all sealed. And that you're actually going to save your employer $50,000. Know, $50, so let me get this straight. I get my drug safely. I don't pay any money out of pocket for it. And I save my employer money. Yes. Well, Mark, why wouldn't I do this? I don't know, Andrew. Why wouldn't you do this? Hmm. The choice is yours because this community we've created, the number one principle is about members first. And if you feel better having that drugstore logo on your medication, your your employer will pay the $67,000 balance bill they'll get for that medication. Yeah, I'm using that as an example to share with you what we've done is we've assembled in our ecosystem a, a, a constellation of best and best, right, in each area of healthcare. And so that, and then we wrap that with a concierge service that, so when healthcare happens to you, you have a resource that you can tap and swipe, or you can talk to a live individual to get the help you need. So what I'm hearing here, which sounds really cool and really intriguing, um, obviously we're, we're in the stages of where somebody is at a point where they actually need help. Do, do you also go down that road of, okay, before you need help, just in terms of your monthly, uh, I don't know if premium is the right word, but just the monthly expense of having a specific plan. Do you go down those roads also? Absolutely. So our organization represents the employer, right, who sponsors the health insurance and benefits, you know, life insurance, dental disability, 401k, 403b, all the things you would get from your employer, healthcare being the largest of that. Uh, we work with the employer to design a benefits plan um, that they are looking for relative to their budget and overall competitiveness in the in the marketplace where they compete, right? Mm. And so our job is to try and create the most amount of value, right? Help them pay the lowest possible price and get the highest quality of, of, of insurance protection they can provide for their people. Once we get the organization and their solution built, we then assist the organization with educating the employee population because that's where the real value is. So we'll step in with our partners and educate, you know, 100 person company. You asked me earlier, our target market is any employer who invests a million dollars a year or more and their benefits. Typically speaking, about 100 employees. So between 100 and it doesn't really matter, but 100 and 1,000, 100 and 2,000 lives is really kind of our sweet spot. Um, if you look across the country, there are roughly 50 million, 50 million people who get their insurance in that, in that market segment. And so what we do is help employers educate their employees and their family members about what I've just been talking to you about. And then over time, it doesn't happen right away. It's a three to five year journey to actually teach you the language, have you be proficient in it, um, have you feel comfortable with it, hear stories from other people. Because, you know, in any group, one out of 10 will go first and the other nine wait and see what happens. And that's just the way it works. Yeah. Over time, you'll get higher levels of engagement. And what will happen is you'll see the productivity of your people rise and you will create EBITDA from your healthcare plan. That's what happens. Cool. Um, now I'm, I'm always very personally hesitant to speak about things that I don't know about or that I can't accurately put out, but sure. if I remember correctly, um, the last administration, there was a, there was chatter about transparency and I don't know if laws are passed or anything like that, but I see you giving me the thumbs up. Is that something that enabled capital health to go down the roads it's going down now, or was it already going down those roads before then? Like, in other words, whatever that happened in that last administration, mm -hmm. How, yeah. in a positive or negative or neutral way, does that affect what you're doing now these days? I'm really excited you asked that question. 
um, because I've been advocating for transparency of pricing, quality, and healthcare for two decades, actually more than two decades. I don't have to say how many, but it's more than two, uh, more than two decades. In fact, I trademarked a phrase uh, that's health insurance is expensive because healthcare is expensive, making the linkage that people would point the lens towards health insurers rather than, and they're part of it, but rather than where the bill was generated, which is in the healthcare provider setting, right? Most, most notably hospital systems. Um, so the, the, the longer answer to your question would be, I actually have had a chance to go to the White House, uh, speak to the healthcare policy advisors, me and the National Association of Health Underwriters, which I'm now the incoming national legislative chair for, uh, we advocate for these types of things to happen. And so I will not claim any credit. I'll just tell you that I'm one member of 100,000 people who are focused in our association about making healthcare pricing quality transparent. In the last administration, we managed to um, persuade them, and rightfully so, that without the foundational, foundational principle of transparency, how do we change anything? If you can't see it, you can't measure it. And if you can't measure it, you can't improve it. Mm. You're speaking to people who understand business, which we were, that that principle-centered conversation, not how you actually do it, but the principle of transparency uh, is one that we all have to believe that's where it needs to start. So the Surprise Medical Billing Act that came up included a provision in transparency. The omnibus bill that was passed at the end of 2020 included a provision in transparency. Now the entire system over the next four to five years is required by law to disclose price and quality. And I, I won't bore your listeners because frankly, it's not very riveting conversation of the sausage making process in terms of the regulatory, the rules, if you will. Legislation is the first part of it, but the second part of it are the regulations or the rules that have been written to make the legislation, right? The, the legislation really activate. Mm. And the, the, the devil will be in the details about the rule writing that's going to happen. Uh, the regulations that will happen relative to making this happen. But I, I can share with you as one who's been advocating it uh, for years, I am very bullish about the impact this is going to have on the industry. Now, a lot of people argue with me, Andrew, and they say, Mark, transparency doesn't work. They'll point to one example of where information is provided to people and they don't take advantage of it. And I'm like, well, transparency isn't a thing, you guys. Transparency is a principle. And I think if we, I don't know, release the information in machine readable format, not hieroglyphics, that we have really smart data uh, engineers out there, data architects, you know, guys and gals who, who think in binary ones and zeros, you can take that information and they can make it actionable for people. And the number one refrain I hear, Eric, which I, I often laugh at, and I think you will too, Mark, healthcare is too complicated. We'll never fix it. And I'm like, um, did you pay attention to when the rocket we landed on Mars just happened? Did you, did you perseverance? Have you heard about that? We actually flew a rocket from Cape Canaveral, Florida to Mars. We landed a rover and we're driving around remote control on the planet of Mars. Well, I think if we can do that, we can fix healthcare. And most normally you're smiling. I get a smile from people because it's just insane to think that it's too complicated that we can't fix it. I believe there are a lot of people who don't want it to change because the, the current environment facilitates the business that they're in. And I certainly understand that. I mean, part of the legislation was broker compensation transparency. 
And some people are like, well, you guys are paid too much. I'm like, I've always made, we have always made what we get paid visible. And you know what the number one response is? That's all you get paid for what you guys do? Yeah. So I believe, how can you lead on transparency if you don't live that principle yourself? And so I'm really excited. Uh, and I'm excited you asked the question because I think it's a game changer. When we can get, when we get our hands on data and we synthesize that data, analyze that data and provide it to our clients, and we don't really tell them what's happened because that's like, well, that's nice to know. We provide them with prospective, right? Uh, analytics about where we believe, and we don't just do it from being data people. We actually partner with the clinical community. We have three doctors, three different types of physicians on retainer, and they look at the data through their clinical lens. And then they're able to help us tell the employer groups, hey, you know what your top three cost drivers are going forward, top three risks are going forward? Number one is you're get, you have way too many people getting back surgeries, knee, sur knee replacements, hip replacements, shoulder replacements, elbow replacements, way too much of that going on. Good news is your people are active. Bad news is they're getting way too many surgeries. That could be helped with, dealt with with physical therapy as an example. Second area of concern could be metabolic syndrome, specifically diabetes. Well, you have an emerging diabetic population, Andrew, and your employee population. I do. Yeah. And if we make, if we educate them about nutrition, we educate them about how to live healthy with diabetes, you actually know you can help people save limbs, save eyes, save lives, right? Third area is mental health, depression and anxiety. We've seen it fly through the roof uh, with, uh, during COVID. And it was always a challenge with our clients, right? It's always in the top five. Now it's in the top three going to top two because people have a lot of anxiety and a lot of depression, but they're not going to tell you that. You're not going to know that. But if you connect them with, with resources that say, hey, do you know that there are things available to you if you're feeling depressed, if you're feeling anxious, if you feel like you have nowhere to turn? Do you know that Captivated Health, as an example, has, a, has, a, uh, has telehealth available to you that you can actually find a behavioral health specialist online? You don't even have to leave home. You can stay where you are because most people, when they need mental health care, they don't go because they can't find somebody or they're afraid of who they're going to run into in the waiting room. The good news is with telemedicine, you take that, that barrier away. So I'm sharing with you this, that uh, I'm, I'm passionate about transparency because I think it's a game changer. And once you move people from being unaware to being aware, they will never, ever go back to being unaware. Awesome. So I find this very intriguing and you've got a very obvious captive audience just in me, the host here. And for me, it's a bit of a feather in my cap because a few weeks ago, I, I spoke to somebody regarding um, financial literacy, and now we're going down this road of, of health insurance literacy for, that's a really choppy term, but you know where I'm going with this. I do. But also, also what I want to do is, you know, obviously you being passionate about this, I want to sneak in a little um, business entrepreneurial slash marketing advice. So here sure. I'm a captive audience and I'm intrigued by all this. But you, in addition to solving the problem that you're actually solving, there also, there's also the problem of getting people aware of this, getting your foot in the door, waking people up. What, in your estimation through what you do, are good successful ways that you are doing in terms of getting this message out there to potential clients, to the industry, to either direction that you want to go in? So I think the opportunity to speak with people like yourself, you know, get on podcast shows that have an audience uh, of people who uh, are looking for innovative solutions, who are looking to disrupt um, or be disrupted, 
right? Who are looking for uh, uh, things that aren't the status quo. So our first exercise, when you look at our business as an example, is who's your target market? And so we're very clear about our target market. You, we want to talk to the C-suite of an organization, CEO, CFO, CHRO, you know, people who have executive authority to make decisions. Um, secondarily, they need to be um, people who are entrepreneurial in nature, right? So they think out of, they might even live in a box, like I told you I didn't before we started the show. Um, but people who are entrepreneurial by nature, they're, they're, they're frustrated with the status quo and they're looking for a new direction. Um, so it's being very clear about the types of client that you want to work with. And then what we did is we developed what's called an ideal client mindset scorecard. So there are people, uh, if I were in, so as, as an example, our four big sectors are education. We do a lot of work with uh, private schools, independent schools, charter schools, not public school systems. We have them too, but have a lot. We have over a hundred uh, schools as clients and some of the biggest names you would know with private schools in the country. Um, we do really big work in technology. We do big work in health and human services and professional services like engineering. Those are kind of like our four lanes. So knowing the industries you focus on, where your message resonates, but more importantly, if I were in a room with a hundred schools, I wouldn't want all 100 schools. Mm. I would want the 20, the 10 to 20 who think and look at the same star we're looking at. If you and I are both looking at this in the sky and we're both looking at the stars, that might be fun. But if we're not looking at the same star, we're not taking in the same observations, right? So what we want to do is make sure we're looking, we're working with people who look at the same star we're looking at, who want to engage their employees in being part of the solution. They don't want to be paternalistic. They want to have their people be part of the solution because ultimately they're the ones using the benefit. So I would say to your, uh, to your listeners, be very clear about the types of people that you want to work with because taking on business for taking on business, I've done that in my career. I'm, I always regret it. I, I end up spending 10 times more than the value of the account is worth and not because they're bad people, not because I'm a bad guy, just because we don't look at the same star. So we see, the, mm. see things very differently. So being very clear about your target market, being very clear about your value proposition in that target market, talking to the right people, like our ideal audience is the CFO. And I could talk to any CFO and I say, if you're a non-for-profit CFO, no margin, no mission. If you're a for-profit CFO, less margin, unhappy shareholders. And every dollar I help you drop from the, we help you drop from the health insurance line to the bottom line, if you're for-profit, worth 10 to $15 in value. That usually gets the CFO's attention. Wow. CFO of the of the non-for-profit, they can't produce more of whatever it is they're doing, right? So for-profit, they can produce more things, right? And create more capacity. When you're non-for-profit, you only have so much in your budget. So they're always looking for ways or trying to find ways where they can squeeze efficiency. And many of them overlook the potential in healthcare because they've been conditioned to believe they have no control over its future. So I, I could probably, if I had the time create an entire digital product on, on what you just did in terms of showing people how they can very powerfully uh, market their business because you hit on so much gold right there that I hope people are paying attention. Really, just to sp say nothing of, you know, finding the right people to talk to and understanding how to talk to them in a way that they're going to connect the dots after already having assessed the way they're connecting dots beforehand. So there's, there's so much there. So thank you for that. Um, I, we've gone down a lot of roads here, and we're almost out of time. I did want to ask you one, you know, as we wrap up here, 
was there any piece of information that I didn't really give you the opportunity to share through my questions that you think is really important for people to hear? You know, I think your questions have been open-ended enough for us to kind of, I don't know, paint a pretty broad, paint in pretty broad brushstrokes. Um, you know, the only thing I, the only thing I would add is a, a recent article just came out uh, from Apple and Apple invested $20 billion in trying to figure out healthcare engagement. And the conclusion of the article essentially is we're big Apple. We spent $20 billion and we couldn't get people engaged. Hmm. So it's not worth trying. Essentially, it's impossible. And I look at that and I just love the word impossible, Andrew. I, I, you know, I just really do. I play golf as an example. I like when somebody tells me that's an impossible shot and I do it and they're like, dude, how'd you do that? Because it's not impossible. You just have to be able to visualize it. So just because Apple wasn't able to crack the code, well, dude, did you ever think Apple is technology? They're not, they didn't live in healthcare. Mm -hmm. And the system, maybe from a, I don't know, from an academic standpoint, but have you lived in it, right? And can you speak the language? So what I wanted to leave with your listeners is just because Apple wasn't successful in this doesn't mean your individual company can't be successful in its own way. That's what we're doing is taking one organization at a time and turning the light bulb on to let them know you are in control if you choose to be. Mm. I'm without risk because nothing good ever does. And anybody who's an entrepreneur and they're all listening to you, they all know that you don't risk, you don't win without risking. Um, but you have to be willing to follow uh, follow your own path. So when you read an article like that, you know, consider the source of it. Uh, consider the source of the article and don't compare yourself to a you know multi trillion dollar organization uh, when you're not really that. You know, you're a multi million dollar organization, but not multi trillion. And you absolutely can make a difference on the ground in your own employment and in your own community. Yeah, you know, to, to speak to the whole Apple thing. Um, I'm going to unfairly put potential words in Steve Jobs' mouth, but I wonder if he would have said, you know, sometimes a sledgehammer isn't the right tool. Sometimes you need a needle. And and that's what I got out of your answer. Uh, if if people want to connect with you, Mark, or learn more about Captivated Health or the things you're doing, what are um, the what's the link or links that they should go down? What What's the way, best way for them to connect and learn more from you? Sure. The two uh, links I would give them, and then I'll give my personal email address if anybody wants to uh, send me an email. But two links would be www.borislow.com, B-O-R-I-S-L-O-W.com, or www.captivatedhealth, all one word, which you can uh, see over my shoulder, or maybe not because it's a podcast. Uh, but Captivated Health, it spells exactly like it sounds, .com. And if you want to send me a direct email, it's M-A-R-K. So Mark at Borislow, B-O-R-I-S-L-O-W.com. I'd be happy to answer any questions or inquiries you might have. Awesome. And I'll put also those uh, those links in the show notes where this episode resides at shatteredamoldpodcast.com. So people will have easy access to that. Um, with that said, a final question I often ask my guests, just to kind of, you know, it, it's a great way to close out the conversation and sneak in a little extra insight into who you are as a person. Uh, mm -hmm. If you, Mark, could go back in time, and we're talking five years, 10 years, 25 years, whatever amount you want, and give an earlier version of yourself any piece of advice. It could be life advice, business advice, anything. What's the advice that you would give to that younger version of yourself? The advice I would give back to myself, I could think uh, of who I was as a young man is um, learn to take a breath before you speak. And I mean patience. 
you know, I, I was always hard, hard driving, always have been. I, I don't know how, you know, I've often been accused, Andrew, and you don't know me that well. We're getting to know each other. I have two gears, like stop and go. So developing a, that mid-range, you know, downshifting to third gear when you're in fifth, uh, you know, you need, I think I would tell myself that, um, take a breath, be patient. But that doesn't mean to be, don't be uh, hard driven. It just means be patient uh, in situations where you can afford to be. That's what I would tell myself. Well, Mark, I am very grateful that you were able to uh, take a breath out for the last 40 minutes and share this conversation, share your insight, share your wisdom, and really share the, the knowledge that you've had hard-fought battles over for the past two decades and, and that we get to benefit from it. So thank you so much for coming on today and uh, answering these questions and giving me and my audience a new perspective with which we can look at the health insurance industry. I really appreciate it. You're very welcome, Andrew, and I sincerely appreciate the opportunity to uh, provide some value to your listeners. I hope they walked away with some nuggets, and I certainly appreciate getting to know you and the questions you asked gave us a lot of latitude to go in a lot of different directions. So thank you very much. Thank you again, Mark. That was really, really interesting conversation, very useful and uh, very important. And I really hope that people will take note about all the things that you really covered here. I'll be sure to leave those links that you provided both at shatteredamoldpodcast.com where this episode resides. Or if you're watching this in video format, I'll leave it in the YouTube video description right over there as well. And while I'm giving links, a quick reminder, anyone that wants to check out my book, The Last Law of Attraction Book, you'll ever need to read, you can easily do so by going to lastlawofattractionbook.com, which will auto forward to the Amazon listing. Or you can feel free to check out youtube.com slash Andrew Cap, where I have a lot of free, awesome content around the book and all of its topics. So with that said, thank you so much as always for listening and stay tuned. We've got more awesome guests on the way shortly. I will see you next time. Thank you for listening to Shatter the Mold at www.shatterthemoldpodcast.com. My name is Andrew S. Kaplan. My name is Andrew S. Kaplan, and it's time to shatter the mold.